Let's stand for the reading of the word. And it will be flashed on the screen here where you can see my scriptural reading. So let's all read together. If you're ready, say amen. amen. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall not have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hand. She is like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come humbly before you even though we feel that you have spoken to our hearts today, I realize how much I need you more than ever before. And I don't want to leave this pulpit feeling that I had delivered a sermon. I want to deliver you. That is my desire. And if you would anoint me one more time, I would thank you for it. Appreciate it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach a little while on priceless treasures. Priceless treasures. Now, when you read the Bible, you're picking up a treasure chest. This old book was written by... 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years, and uh, they didn't know each other. They came from different dispensations, and they all had one thing in common. The Apostle Peter tells us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. When you read this Bible, you're reading God. Amen. John, the first chapter in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. There are 3,566,480 letters in the Bible. 773,693 words, 31,102 verses, 1,189 chapters, 66 books in the Bible. The middle verse is Psalms 18 and 8. 119 of Psalms is the longest chapter. 117 is the great chapter. And I tell you, when I get to reading all the good things about the Bible, I have a wonderful treasure. 
measure. Hold it up. Given to me without measure. And so we'll travel together. My Bible and I. Praise God. So thank the Lord for his word. It's our guide. It gives us direction. It shows us what we need to do. And especially these last days, if we ever studied the word and lived by the word, it is now. Amen. I have been saying for years that this world is getting worse and worse. And we have been threatened. Uh, at times, if we ever preached against homosexuality, uh, the world calls it gay. There's nothing gay about it at all. It's totally, the word of God is totally against it. And if you go home and read Romans, the first chapter, you'll understand it better because the Lord gives warning. And one time he goes so far in that chapter to say they're giving up. God gives up on them, but they keep going further. And the final statement God made about them, they're given over, not only given up, but given over to a reprobate mind. Amen. Now, I, uh, I could get in trouble for that, but who cares? I'm 86 years old. And I do appreciate the fact that we can sound a warning. And that's, I said the other day, you stand in single jeopardy saving your own self. But any time a preacher stands in this pulpit, he is in double, double jeopardy. Not only save himself and his family, but to save those that, that he hears preach the word. I've, I have a wonderful treasure. This Bible, my father gave this to me in 1945. And it's my treasure. Now, I have given some of my Bibles away, but never this one. My son has my dad's Bible that is 100 years old. And this was a valuable treasure to me, this one right here. And uh, I was in Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And one day we were dismissed and getting ready to leave. And somebody wanted to take pictures. And I just slipped it up on the top of a car. And uh, I forgot about it. I can't believe that I would do that. But during World War II... Scrap paper was the thing. You could sell a bundle or all kinds of paper, newspaper especially, and make a little money. In those days, everybody needed a little more than what they had. And uh, my first year in Bible college, I went pearl diving and made uh, 18 cents an hour. And pearl diving in my generation was dishwashing. I'd wash dishes in a restaurant 
and uh, was glad to have a little job. But this Bible fell off of the car down the street a little ways, and, and just in a few minutes I missed it, and, and I thought, where did I leave it? And I happened to remember I left it on top of the car, and I circled around and, and began to try to figure out where it is. I saw a couple of boys coming down the street, they had a bunch of papers, and I just said, boys, I lost my Bible. Have you seen it? No. I said, unfold those papers. There it was. They had soaked it in dirty water on the street to make it heavier when they sold the papers. I tell you, I was so upset. I wanted to do like my mother used to do me, get the biggest switch I could find. But nowadays, if you do that, you're going to look through the bars somewhere. So I've got a wonderful treasure. Bring me that guitar there. I just felt like I wanted to bring something to show you. I learned to play the guitar, at least three cards on this. My dad taught it to me. Thank you. You're a good old preacher-up man and guitar man. That guitar is almost 100 years old, and uh, that's the only music my dad had for many years when he started preaching, going into places where nobody had ever heard the gospel, especially in the state of Texas, considered one of five of the first preachers to bring the gospel message to Texas. And he used that, provided music, and he could sing so beautifully. And I've always admired my dad, not only for the talent he had, but for his pioneering spirit going into uh, places that had never heard the gospel and threatened and uh, one place he went, the Ku Klux Klan told him if he didn't get out of there that they were going to chase him in tar and feathers up and down the, the streets, and it didn't bother him. And they came to his house late one night, and he heard the noise, looked out the window, and there they were with robes on and with torches, and they had come while he was on his knees praying in the middle of the night. And so he just opened the door and said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And they took off. Amen. He was preaching a meeting in Paducah, Kentucky, and that was before I was ever born, so many of these experiences. And he had a long 12-foot chart that he had made on the dispensation and uh, through the ages, the trail of blood that began with uh, the Adam and Eve right on down through to the book of Revelation. And it exposed the Roman Catholic Church, what they had done to try to stamp out this good religion. 
And so he put it up and advertised it. And they went, there were Catholics all around. There were no Pentecostals except those that came to hear him preach. And the priest sent word, if you preach from that chart and mention the involvement that the Catholic Church had, you will die before you leave the pulpit. Dad had wonderful holy boldness. And so he stretched it up, the tent, the, the, uh, the advertisement with all the pictures on it, the trail of blood. And he stood there and said, well, I've been threatened that I won't leave this pulpit if I preach this message. So I'm standing here. If you have your guns, you start firing because I'm going to stand here and start preaching. And, of course, they left. But uh, this is kind of a, a precious, priceless treasure to me. My wife had it mounted and ha hanging on the wall in my living room. And a uh, little story behind this little Martin guitar. Collector's item today. But when my younger brother and I and someplace getting ready to go to school we didn't have shoes and so a man came to his meeting that he felt like was able to purchase it and he sold it to this man for ten dollars a martin guitar that was the music all the music he had for his meetings and uh so another man that wanted to buy it, but he didn't have enough money. He kept track of wherever that guitar went. Finally, he was able to buy it, and he put it up. And uh, when Brother Neely pastored up in South Texas, uh, West Texas, he invited me to come and preach for him. I was in for a pleasant surprise. So when I got up to the pulpit, he said, Now, Brother Kilgore, we have a gift for you. And we have your daddy's old guitar that he sold for $10 to buy you shoes to go to school. And I stood there, and I couldn't help it. I just yeah, I wept and wept to think the story behind that. And so it is a treasure to me. Amen. I would play it, but uh, I, I forgot all those three cards. And Anyhow, God bless you. Thank you, Brother Jay. Have wonderful treasures, priceless treasures. You couldn't buy that because it means so much to me, part of the heritage legacy. And so I'm going to keep going and preaching and using it once in a while. This is only the second time I brought it to a church. To, so I just felt led, since this is my 55th anniversary in the Houston area, that I wanted to kind of reach back a little bit. And the ensemble sang that song, Take Me Back, was it? 
I thought, yeah, that's a confirmation. Take me back. Amen. Don't take me back to having to sleep on the side of the road or on cold, hot, cold uh, floors and a dirty, greasy garage in Idaho. That's where God called me to preach. And, of course, Mother and Dad was on the garage floor on a quilt and about eight of us all together. We had a divine visitation from the Lord that night. But I do want to go back in my heart to remind myself and those that I preach to that we have come a long ways, but we better take all those things that that brought us where we are, we better take them with us. I don't want to change. I am happy. I'm satisfied. My dad was a Mormon, and, and he... When the Pentecostal woman came to his community and people were flocking in to the meeting and, and many giving their hearts to God, and uh, he would walk up and down on the little storefront right across from the meeting and try to preach Mormonism and said, nobody will ever change me. But one night out of respect to my mother, he went inside and sat down with her. And the preacher got up, Roxy Hughes, and said, Some of you have said you're so entrenched in your religion that nobody could ever change you. And he said it was like somebody went and told her everything that he had said. And, of course, he was upset about it. And so in the middle of her sermon, he was so affected. The tears started flowing. Finally, when she gave, opened the altar, he was the first one there. He wept and wept and wept. And uh, the power of God hit him, and down on his back he went. And uh, for two hours, he was talking in tongues and preaching, called to preach, saved, left the Mormon church, all in one night. Amen. That's probably the reason Brother Benton Romney wouldn't work because his religion was founded on uh, uh, deception and uh, he could bring that into the United States. So that's the last thing we need. I didn't hear any amens, but that's all right. But I'm just telling you, we have a priceless treasure. And we better be careful that we don't spoil that treasure. Now, we read in the scripture, first of all, in the Bible, after uh, the, the fathers were taught to teach their children every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. And uh, so I... Uh, I taught my children before they could ever say anything. How many gods is there? They'd hold up one finger. And I taught my little grandson and uh, every day. And I had to go somewhere to preach two or three days. I came back, and when I came into the house, he was learning to crawl around. And he heard my voice, 
Didn't even turn and look at me. He just held up one finger. The Bible said, teach it diligently unto your children. But after that wonderful experience, Solomon the wise man said, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is greater than rubies, that, that all-important gem and jewel that is the most valuable anywhere in the world. No one can find the virtue that this woman has in, as a priceless treasure. And so many things he said about her. She rises up a great while before day, prepares for her family. She keeps a watch at night. In the Middle East in those days, they always, travelers always knew when a house was a virtuous house because they would leave a light in the window. And if they were traveling, they knew that the... That the Folks that lived there would open the door. And uh, that meant she kept the light. That's a virtuous woman. Her price far above rubies. Your children are priceless possessions. Amen. We had a wonderful couple in our church several years ago. And uh, some of the folks will remember her here, Bob and Ruth, and uh, they love children, but here they are in their 40s. They never could have children. And so they, the little girl across the street, about five years old, became so close to them. She would stay with them half of the time. And, and so one day the man had her hand and had a little box in the other arm. And he came and said, Now, Bob, we can't afford this girl. And if you will give us $100, we will give her to you, and here are her clothes. Well, he said, I'll have to call my pastor first. And when he called me, I said, Bob, you will be in trouble with the law. They will be in trouble with the law. Don't do it. He said, well, that's all I needed to hear. Can you imagine taking a beautiful little girl? I saw one back there coming in today, beautiful crown on around her head. Stand up, honey. Everybody needs to see the princess. Looky there, folks. Can you imagine anyone wanting to sell someone something like that for a hundred dollars? No, that's unthinkable. But we're living in a world where people, a stepfather kept pounding a little girl in her stomach until she died. Can you imagine that? You read in the paper every day where little children are being mistreated. Hell will be hotter for those who mistreat children than anybody else. 
In fact, Jesus said you might as well tie a rope around your neck and hang yourself than to treat one of those little children. They are priceless treasures. And I don't want to try to put a priority on children. You know, great revivals usually start with children. Amen. So let's have prayer. Bring them to prayer meeting. Let them hear. And the Lord will hear their prayers quicker than anybody. Suffer little children to come unto me. Forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, so who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is above rubies. And uh, the spirit that God has given to us is the most valuable thing in this world. And Romans 8, 11 has been a theme for my life when I would pray. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, dwell in you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by that spirit. That shows you how important the Holy Ghost is but you better stay full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Did you hear me? We had better stay full of the Holy Ghost in this hour. That doesn't mean you have to shout every day. It doesn't mean that you have to feel like you've got to be perfect every day when the Bible tells us to be perfect as the Father in heaven. That doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It means completeness in the Bible. We've got to be complete in Jesus Christ. How wonderful it is. And the Lord showed us at the very beginning of the church how important it was because there was a man with his wife, Ananias and Sapphira. People were selling their possessions and bringing the money to the apostles' feet. They were not commanded to do it. They were so excited about what God had done for them. They just willingly brought it. But this man and his wife sold their possession and they brought part of the price. And the apostle Peter said, is this what you sold your land for? Yes. And uh, he said, you have not lied unto me, but you've lied unto God. And he fell dead. They took him out and buried him. The Bible said a while later, his wife came, and he asked her the same question. Did you sell that property for so much? Yes, we did. He said, the feet of those that carried your husband to the grave are at the door, and she fell dead. Now, that's, that's what the Lord thinks about the gift that he's given us. You can neglect it. The Bible said that, and that's the reason a lot of times that we don't grow in the Lord. We don't allow the Spirit to talk to us like it wants to. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Without my Spirit, the Lord said, you're none of His. And so we're here today, and I was so glad that we could feel the anointing of His presence while we were singing and while the ensemble was singing. Oh, that's a sign the Lord still loves us. 
That's a sign the Lord still wants to work through us. Praise God. Simon the sorcerer got in trouble with God in the 8th chapter of Acts, and he had the judgment of God upon his life. The birthright of the Old Testament was like the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. If you ever sold your birthright, you were in trouble with God. The Bible tells Hebrews 12, 16, Esau sold his birthright. And afterward, he would like to have had it back, but he couldn't. Naboth died in his blood, but he would not die with money selling his property. That was his birthright inheritance. I'm going to tell you, folks, God loves his church, and he protects his church. And anybody that mistreats his church is in trouble with God. The very things I've mentioned, the Corinthian church, listen to me, the Corinthian church, they had the gifts of the Spirit. They had all those good things. But they had a man in the church that was an adulterer, fornicator. And he knew it was wrong, but the church had the attitude, so what? It's not me, it's, it's somebody else. When Paul came along, he severely rebuked that church for allowing someone with that spirit to stay in the church. And he finally told them, you've got to deliver such a one to Satan. That meant that you're put outside of the church. You can't be a part of the church. Satan rules the world. You're going to get out there under his rulership completely. Well, when the church heard that, they were fearful. They put that person outside of the church. You can't come back in these doors. You've been living in sin and covering it, and God will not allow us to continue as a church. But then when you read the second book of Corinthians, you see how that man was so stirred. He didn't wake up till he got on the outside, and he realized what he had missed. And if you will read the Corinthian repentance, you will hear somebody that has the deepest remorse of anybody you have ever known. And he got sick. He was afflicted. And Paul came along and told the church, now he's repented. He's done his best to straighten up. So if you don't take him back in the church now, he will be overcome with all the sorrow. And they were willing to do it. We have to take a stand at times when we don't want to, when we it's going to hurt us, but God will not allow any of us to hurt his church. Amen. Be careful. Be cautious. This is a valuable experience that we have. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for it? James, yeah, type your hands to the Lord. First Corinthians 29, there were treasures brought to the house of God. 
Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and uh, the man out, the other man will bring forth evil things out of an evil heart. James 5 and 3 tells us that there are those who are heaping up treasures for the last days. They've got all they want, and they think they don't have to have anything else, but the Lord said they're, they are piling it up for the last days. Oh, you know what? We brought, brought, got some treasures right here this morning that could not compare with any money just to feel the presence of God, to enjoy what we enjoy here. We're heaping up treasures, priceless treasures for the last day. Folks, let's wake up like we never have before. Amen. Don't wake up too late. We had a, a woman in Houston that had been overdosed with drugs and and uh, they took her to the doctors, and and she was at a point, if she went to sleep, she'd never wake up. The doctor told them, the only thing you can do is keep her awake. Do everything you can to keep her awake. And they walked her. They walked the floors. They walked with her down the road, dad on one side and mother on the other. And she kept begging them, let me stop. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. But they would jerk her around a little bit and pat her face to, to wake her up because they didn't want their daughter to go to sleep because if she went to sleep in that condition, she would die. And that's all the more reason that I want somebody to walk me. If I get sick in the spirit, somebody get on one side, somebody get on the other. Keep walking me. Keep telling me that I better wake up if I go to sleep in this hour, having been born again of the water and the spirit. If I go to sleep not prayed up, not ready, the oil going out of my vessel then I will never be able to wake up in these last days. We better get wide awake, folks. Somebody, somebody wake me up. Somebody talk to me. Somebody pull on me. Walk me all night long. But don't let me be lost. Did you hear me? Don't let me be lost. Every church service, we're trying to wake people up. We try to take saints by the hand and say, folks, we got to keep going. It, uh, there's trouble on the outside. There's murder on the outside. But we better make sure on the inside of our hearts that the Lord dwells there. His spirit abides there. And we can't afford to go to sleep. Let the oil leak out of our vessels. I'm stirred in my heart this morning. Came to you with a burden. I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for the church. I don't want to stand here without a message. God gave me this for you. 
That's all, Stan. 